Northside, it's good to be with you. I've been uh, in the shadows for a few months here just observing and worshiping with you, but it's, it's great to be on this stage today and be part of this great series. As Nate referenced, we're in week five of a six-week series uh, called Yes, and this is specifically a communal yes and what it means to be the body. And nothing like having a new guy try to talk about what it means to have community in a new place, right? And that's, that's kind of the challenge for the day, but I'm looking forward to this with you guys. And uh, what I would ask for along the way, I'll just acknowledge that I am prone to doing something bizarre. And I don't mean intentionally, I mean on accident. I'm prone to make a, a weird statement that I didn't mean to make, or maybe I'll fake a heart attack here. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But anyway, whatever it is, would you extend grace to me? Because I'm going to need it. An example of this is about 13 years ago. About 13 years ago, I was in a, a church of a similar size, a little bit bigger of an auditorium, and I, I had not been in a church that large to teach before, but it was my first chance to preach, and I was excited. And I was up there, and I thought I was hitting my marks pretty well, and I was trying my very best to make eye contact with everybody in the room, and I was trying to be engaging. And I'm kind of a boring guy, but I was trying to be animated, and I was just reaching out and doing my thing. And I got done with the message, and I thought I hit it on time. I thought I did a good job. And then the guy who, uh, who is now a good friend of mine said, he pulled me aside, the camera operator guy, and he says, hey, Jim, I don't know how to say this, so I'll ask a question. How big was the last place that you preached in? And I didn't know what was happening, but I knew I was being set up. And I said, well, it was about 500 or so. And he says, yeah, did they have the big screens, the iMag? I said, no. Or did you have a spotlight that was working with you? No. And he says, well, then that makes sense. Because you gave our video guy a heart attack by being all the way over there and all the way over here. And he's trying to catch up with you. And the lighting guy wasn't prepared for that. We gave you a box to play in. It was a rug on the floor. Would you stay in your box for the next service? And I was like, oh, got it. I understand that there's certain boxes, but I also understand that I might not know what they are at Northside yet. And so it's possible I'm going to wander off and do something that would be a little bit odd. Just extend grace to me, please. Now, in a, in a similar way, uh, before going to my previous church in Illinois, I was in a church in Minnesota. In fact, if I work hard, I can conjure back the uh, the the... Uh, accent from that time. It was Minnesota. We were in Minnesota for a long time, don't you know? And uh, in Minnesota, we, we handled snow a little differently than southern Indiana. My wife and I have been amazed by all the snow days we've had here. Uh, for us, it was a little bit different in Minnesota. In fact, the last snowman that I ever built, we built in an intention to make a memory with our family. This is about 11, 12 years ago. Take a look at this thing. Now that's a snowman. That's how it ought to be done. <laughs> I think you could have a small group in, in the lower level of that snowman. That thing's about 12 feet tall. It was massive. I had a lot of fun. While in Minnesota, we were trying to get to know that church, trying to get to know a new culture, and I was talking with the, the lead pastor, and we, were, we had one or two services. We didn't do communion every week. I was trying to feel that out. The week we had communion, my first communion with this great church, I'm sitting in the front row with the lead pastor, and he got up and gave this excellent prep for us for communion, and I was inspired. I mean, he was, he was bringing it. It was exciting. I was all in, but I didn't know the routine. And so as he's talking about the bread being the body of Christ and broken for us, I, I was like, yes, amen. I put it in my mouth. And I looked right, and I looked left, and nobody else was eating their bread. <laughs> in that moment, I had a split decision to make, and I did this. And I looked around, okay, no one saw that. That's perfect. 
So he finished his little bit and he got down, sat down next to me and the lady was playing the keyboard really well and it kind of swelled with the music and we're getting to the place where he's going to come up and ask us to all take it together. By the way, we're all going to take it together at the end of the service, okay? Don't jump the gun on me. But I'm holding the soggy bread with regret and he sits next to me and just before he's getting ready to go on stage, I could see he was getting nervous and he was looking around and he's, he says, hey, the usher didn't bring me bread. Yeah, <laughs> he said, I need yours. I said, you don't want it. You don't want this bread. He said, no, seriously, I need the bread. I said, it's been in my mouth. Now, mind you, the, the pianist is doing a great job, but we're wrapping up. And I was like, it's been in my mouth. Long story, false start. And he, go, he looks at me and he grabbed the soggy bread out of my hand and tore it in half. And he said something so profound. This is 21 years ago. I still remember it, people. He said, communion is messy, and we're in this together. And he walked up on stage, and in front of everybody, this is the body of Christ, broken for you. Okay, that's nasty. We're not going to do that today. We've got these sanitized versions, which is great. If your wafer is soggy, ask for another one. All right? The point is still the same. Community, communion is messy and we're in this together. And as you'll hear in a minute, community is messy and we're in this together. That's the point today. We have a communal yes, but it doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> you know, Jesus was all in on community. I don't know if you've thought about this or not. I started to go into the deep weeds quick, but from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about community. In fact, relationships might be a pretty good one-word overview of the scriptures. In Genesis 1.26, you might read past this and not see it, but it's let us, listen to the pronouns, let us make mankind in our image. Wow. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saying, we're in this together. We have made a decision. We are going to make mankind in our image. And all the way to Revelation, it's the, and let's invite everyone that will come to this wedding party, everyone who would trust Christ to this party. It's a communal event. The whole thing's a communal event. It's all about God saying, we've already got community in our triune God, but we want you in. And there's one way. Nate talked about it last week. There is an exclusive way, Jesus, to an inclusive invitation and so we're, we're excited about that. So we've got this, this God who is all about community, and he's calling us to community. In fact, let me look at that for a second. Mark chapter 12. This is where we'll hang out a little bit. If you've got your Bibles you want to open up here, this is the place to open up and camp here for just a second. In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, listen to what this says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, being Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is like it. You shall love the Lord, your, or you shall love the neighbor as yourself, and no other command is greater than these. The second is like it. And that first part would be very, very familiar to these people because the Jewish community was all about what's called the Shema, 
The Shema is that first part that Jesus was reciting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. In fact, a good Jewish person in that day would recite the Shema every morning and every night. It was kind of like their, um, their sign of allegiance. This was a way to kind of summarize what they believed and held dear. This was a pledge of allegiance, a hymn of praise. It was a big, big deal. And Jesus starts with what they knew very well. Jesus starts with what he, as a child, as a young man, as a man, would have been praying daily. Hear, O Israel. Maybe, hear, O Israel, if we could walk that into the 2021 season, we could say, hear, O southern Indiana. Hear, O Northside. Hear, O life group. Hear, Propst family. We could walk this into our life and own it because this is still a great and rich prayer to be praying, and yet Jesus adds to it. He adds to it. Remember, the question was basically, what's the greatest command? And Jesus starts by reciting what is most familiar to them, and then he does something interesting. He goes to Leviticus 19 and adds this other prayer, this other command about loving one another. I believe it's Leviticus 19, 18. And he puts these two together. And I'm guessing that it dumbfounded them. The simplicity. And they're trying to trick him a little bit. They're saying, look, Jesus, we understand. There are 613 Old Testament laws. And some of them are bizarre and meticulous. This idea of if you're going to spit on the ground, you can't snuff it out. Because if you do that on the Sabbath day, that might constitute work. And we can't have that. So you can spit, you just can't do this. Weird, weird little minutiae. And 613 little details and then all kinds of uh, the ways that the rabbis would interpret that. It was messy, it was confusing. Jesus simplified, love the Lord your God. And let's not stop there, love one another. Interesting stuff, interesting stuff. And so he's stretching them. What I'd like to suggest today is while we're talking about a communal, yes, I want to suggest that love is the primary value that Jesus is talking about. Love's the primary value, but community is the primary vehicle. Maybe you know people like this that have been able to uh, say, oh, I love, I love Jesus, but they, they do it in isolation. Or I love you, but I really won't reach out to you, I won't see you, I won't serve you, I won't find a way to engage with you, but I love you. Community is that primary vehicle that allows us to carry the love that's being talked about. And so tune in on that idea. If everything else gets complicated, that's where we're going today, all right? Now, Andy Clark said it really well in page 76 of our Yes book. There's a quote here that just kind of starts to tie these things together. The, the Shema from Deuteronomy, this Leviticus, and Jesus putting these together. By the way, when Jesus said that in one of his other Gospels, not Mark, he says it this way. When he put the love the Lord and the love others together, he said, On these two hang all the commandments and the prophets. Basically, everything falls into place under these two. That's how important this is, how foundational it is. So Andy Clark says this on page 76, following Jesus means building a relationship with a God who is love and exists in community. That's why a yes to a loving God is always a yes to loving others. The two can't be separated. And I would say, well written, well said, Andy. But what does it look like here at Northside? What does a communal yes look like here? And I can't wait to answer that question better three years from now than I can just months in. I can't wait. I can't wait to have specific names 
and examples, personal examples. But I can tell you, you know, the early results are in, and it's awesome. We've got a communal yes here. Something that many of you may not know about it was a nursery project effort where dozens of primarily ladies, not all ladies, got together and gathered all kinds of stuff for the biggest garage sale. Uh, massive. To raise thousands of dollars so that a family could afford to adopt this sweet little girl named Ellie and bring her home for her forever family. Awesome. And most of us don't know about it. 70-plus groups, 70-plus life groups here have done some things we've celebrated on this stage before, but they've gone out with resources that, from Northside and then added to them, and they got creative, and they're saying, how can we love in a crazy way our community? How can we engage with our neighbor, our coworker, in a way that's going to blow their minds? Because we want this communal yes to be so evident and so vivid. And there's more. I know there's more. There's more. There, there's somebody in the room that has taken us in as a family while we were building a house and said, here, stay here. We'll take care of so much for you. We'll pour out our love to you. Great first impression in this community. And the list goes on and on and on. But this week, I was still looking for another one. I was asking some staff, tell me. Tell me about the communal yes here. What do you see that these fresh eyes can't see yet? And then I came here on Wednesday night. And on Wednesday night, I'm looking around this night of worship, which really was more like a night of dedication. There was a stage crowded with families. 21 kids were dedicated to the Lord with parents saying, would you pray over us? Would you pray with me, for me, that we would raise them up in the faith? By the way, they were in Deuteronomy 6 that night, talking the same stuff. And there was 15 people being baptized that night. And I'm a little shocked that there's nobody applauding right now. That's really good news, isn't it? That's great news. And as Sam referenced earlier, between the online presence and what was happening in the room, there was 1,800 people worshiping the Lord together. And that's just a quick snapshot of it. But this is awesome. This is the community saying, we love the Lord and we love one another. We're in this together, even if it's messy. That's pretty awesome. Pretty fired up about that. And so we're starting to see, and maybe we've known all along what it is to have a communal yes. But what I want to do with the last half of this time together is just to kind of stoke the fire a little bit and say, let me fan into flame the things that you guys are already doing. Let me fan into flame that value so that you'll, you'll crave it. You'll want more of it and you won't settle for something short of biblical community, a communal yes as God designed. And so that's the goal here. Uh, my mom has been saying for more than 30 years a phrase that was uh, uh, weird the first 10 years I heard it, Annoying the next 10, and I've started to really appreciate it. Maybe you've got a family member that says something way too often. Her, her thing that she would say often, whether it was me in the room or me and my brother in the room, was something along these lines, some iteration of this. It was, my greatest prayer or my greatest joy is that my boys would be friends and that they would love each other. And again, anyway, in your, your teens, you're going, uh, maybe. <laughs> I'll think about it. In your 20s, you're going, that's trite, that's helpful, thank you, but stop saying it. In your 30s, you're going, I'm starting to get this. Guys, right now, at 49, pushing 50, I'm starting to get it. This is a biblical thing. This is a biblical thing. Those of you that have multiple kids, you understand that desire, that hope, but it's a biblical thing. That's the father. Do you hear that tone through Scripture? I want my kids to love each other. I want my kids to be there for one another. I want them to be the go-to. I, I want them to love. Church, that's what we're called to do. 
We're called to have that kind of love, that kind of unity, modeled by the Trinity and, and, and then encouraged by the Trinity that we might live this out. And I want to paint the picture. I'm going to slow this down for a second. I hope you can track with this. I hope you're going to grab this like I've grabbed this. Imagine walking through the atrium, the lobby, as we get out of here. Imagine walking through and you hear the chatter from a variety of groups of people. And as you're walking by, you hear your name. Okay, that gets your attention. And if you're like me, you slow down your walk at that point, kind of listening in. And now they start praying. And as they're praying, they're praying about you and for you. Oh, you pull up a chair at that point, don't you? It's like, what are they saying? Jesus does this, and it's recorded in John 17. And I promise you, it's not just for first century. This is for today. He's praying. He's interceding to the Father for the Father's kids, his brothers and sisters, you and me. And he's praying a prayer that is so much about this communal yes that it's just, it's flat out inspiring. And I want to make sure you guys hear this. So John 17, verses 20 through 26. Track along with me if you would. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, that's amazing, I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Isn't that great? He goes on, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me from the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. There's a lot there, but Jesus is saying, guys, you need to be loving each other. You need to be so unified that you're nearly inseparable like the Trinity and if you caught this in verses 21 and 23, listen to what's happening there. There's something happening there where he's saying not only does it have to be this in such an incredible way, but it's got to be this in such an incredible way that the world will know who Jesus is. Did you catch that? It comes up in verse 21 and 23. In some way, shape, or form, it's Jesus saying when we have that kind of communal yes, Northside, then the people that aren't yet at Northside are looking in going, Oh, how do I play? How do I get that? What does that look like? And I want to encourage us to think this way. If what happens in your life group or what happens with the people that you rub shoulders with here looks exactly like the rest of the world, we haven't done our job. It should be something that causes people to stop and wonder. Jesus is saying in chapter 17, verses 21 and 23, that that is something that will stop the unbelieving world in their tracks and make them wonder. That's, the, that's one of the great ways to connect the unconnected and live out what we're trying to do here at Northside. So a, a vivid image of this. This would have been back probably 18 years ago, I would guess. About 18 years ago, I was on a mission trip. I'd been with some students. I was a youth pastor at that time. We had about 40 of us, adults and students combined, going to Lima, Peru, and we'd been there several times. 
This was probably our fifth or sixth trip. And it was typical for us to just pour out our guts during the, during the day, walking through these, this decimated area. It was just like a dust bowl, a gravel pit. It was, it was really something. No vegetation, but people that absolutely loved the Lord. And we would go from place to place, and we'd meet with the, the church family, talk with them, encourage them, do our best to build them up, and then occasionally go out with them into their own neighborhoods and say, how can we share the love of Christ with people? How can we do this well? It's exhausting work. Working with translators, it's exhausting. And we would come back at night, and our routine at night was to, to get into this restaurant that was on the corner, the a corner restaurant of a busy street. There was glass walls on at least two of the sides, and we called it the fishbowl because when you were there at night and that's lit up on the inside, there's nothing between... Uh, there, you can be seen so well from outside. I mean, it is, you're just in a fishbowl. And so we were doing this, and when we were together in the fishbowl, we'd be praying together, and we'd stop, and we'd worship a little bit, and somebody would say, I, here's a scripture I think John needs to hear today. Or, man, Sarah, you did fantastic. I want to just cheer you on. And we're enjoying this time of community together, thinking it was all about the 40 that were in the room. Then I got an elbow in my ribs while I was worshiping, and I thought, well, that was awkward, but we'll let it be. And another elbow in the ribs, and I thought, okay, they're persistent. And it was one of my students, she's going, Jim, you got to see this. Look what's outside. And I had to kind of look, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to see through the glass when you're in a bright room and it's dark over there. But I looked through and, and I saw two people standing on a busy street corner just like this, just locked into what we were doing. They weren't embarrassed, they weren't apologetic, they were just staring. So I grabbed the translator and said, come on, let's go. And we walked out and we, and we talked with them and Ho Shui was the, the spokesperson's name and his friend was with him and got talking with Ho Shui and, and in the first five seconds after a quick introduction, he said with tears, what, not who, but what is that? And he was pointing at the, the fishbowl worship time. What is that? I've never seen anything like that. That's beautiful. And he started crying. I said, that, that's, that's a church. And we're from the United States, but that part doesn't matter. We, we're the church, and we came here to talk about Jesus. And right now, we're just encouraging one another and remembering who he is and worshiping him. He's crying. He said, can I come in? <laughs> yeah, you can come in. And so we brought him in. Now, most of us were Caucasian and, and big, and the Peruvians are little guys. And, and so he's physically very different, a different language, and he's going into a room full of strangers with his buddy, and they just stood there, looking around, eyes wide open. And we're worshiping God together. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And then he says, what are you singing? And I got to explain the lyrics. He's like, I'm going to sing that. <laughs> he starts singing with us. He doesn't know Jesus. Then he got to the point, he said, what are you praying? What, what is happening? And I explained it. And he said, I'd like to pray for you. I said, Really? I'd like to pray to your God for you. Starts praying. We're blown away at this point. And he is just captivated. Hoshua became a Christian that night. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? That wasn't our goal. That wasn't our goal. Our goal was to be biblical community for one another. And sometimes it is evangelistic. John 17, 21, and 23 forecasts that for us. Our communal yes draws people. When we're really living the way we're called to be living, it's going to be hard to keep people away. So that's Hoshua, powerful, powerful stuff. 
Now, there's a photo from page 78 in the book that most of us are going through right now, and I'd like to look at this because this expands on what Hoshua might have seen in that day uh, and what many are seeing right now from you when you gather in your neighborhoods and groups, when you leave this place, when you're getting together over the word at a coffee shop, whatever you might be doing. And it's a long list of one another's. It starts with this very basic one, and you guys, many of you know this, John 13, verses 34 and 35. It ends with this incredible picture. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. We start there. It's not how many verses you've memorized. It's not the size of the Bible you carry. It's not the, the station you listen to on the radio. It's not the bumper sticker or who you voted for. It's none of those things. By this, our love they will know that you are my disciples. That's convicting stuff. I wonder if my neighbors know that yet. Hmm. Romans 15 talks about how we should accept one another. That's another one another that matters for us. Galatians 6, verse 1, we restore one another. What a great picture. When we are injured, when we are beat up spiritually, physically, emotionally, and we come limping into this place, is this the place where we get restored and encouraged? I hope so. I see heads nodding. You know that's true. Some of you at home, you know that's true. This is a place to be restored. Yet in some circles, uh, Christians are those who shoot their wounded. That's not our goal here. That's not our desire here. Our desire here is that when you come in broken, we look for ways to mend, to build you up. And so restore one another is a big deal. Bear one another's burdens. Serve one another. You see how the list is growing? Maybe our expectation is growing. What if we live this out? I mean, really live this out. Forgive one another, submit to one another, bear with one another. When those things are unbearable and you're exhausted and it's too heavy to carry and someone's saying, I got it, give me that load. I'll carry it with you. I'll carry it for you. That's the church. And I'm speaking as if this doesn't happen here. I know it happens here. Through Nate's eyes and through some others, I've known Northside for many years and I know this is true. We're starting to experience it. We teach one another, encourage one another, spur one another on, and confess to one another. That's interesting. Does that still happen in this world, that we might confess to one another? Here's what I'm dealing with. Would you pray for me? Here's where I struggle. Would you pray for me? We want to encourage you guys to step out. If you're not in a group yet, that's one of the best ways for, for this kind of communal yes to happen. We can be in the crowd and we can cheer one another on, but in community we can make this happen. And so a super quick commercial from a recovering small groups guy, and on behalf of the, uh, the Life Groups team here, I'd encourage you guys to text GROUPS to 81411 if you're not in a group yet. We'd love to follow up with you and, and encourage you on that journey. And maybe some of you are looking to lead a, a Life Group for the first time. Again, you can text GROUPS to 81411, and we'd love to get you connected. Uh, right now we're finishing up this, this all-church study, and it's been fantastic, but there's more to come, guys. There's more to come. I want to leave us with one more thing before we go to communion. Just one more idea to, to be thinking about. And again, we'll take communion together all at once. But it's a word that some of you that have been in the church a long time would know. Some of you maybe don't know. My apology for bringing another language into this, but it's so good. There's nothing like it in English. And the word is koinonia. Koinonia is going to help us understand a communal yes. It's going to help us understand com uh, community, understand even 
communion in a much better way. Koinonia is the word. And just bear with me as I walk through this bigger picture of what, what it means to say yes to community. Koinonia, we see it in Acts 2. And a lot of us talk about Acts 2 and we get excited. We know it's about gathering and it's about prayer and it's about being under the word of God and, and, and in so many ways fellowshipping. And the word fellowship in that text in Acts 2 is the word koinonia. Koinonia is fellowship. But when we get to Romans 15, it talks about this Macedonian church. I don't have time to elaborate completely, but there's a church that is just dirt poor. And this church is giving not of their means, but way beyond their means. And they're like, here, we're going to keep giving stuff away to the point that we have nothing. And the word is koinonia to, to explain their contribution to other churches. The Macedonians were known for just being remarkable in their giving. And they were, they were struggling, but they're like, here, take everything we have. Because we have a koinonia with you. We have a commitment to you that goes way beyond our needs. It's inspiring, guys. Koinonia. The same word is talking about participating, this is really important, participating in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. What we call communion, what is referenced as the Lord's Supper, is that same Greek word koinonia. Now think about that when we're at the table together. I'm going to give everything for you. I'm going to have fellowship with you. And now it's participating in the body and the blood with you. In 2 Corinthians, it's a, it's a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In 1 John, it's a fellowship with the Father. And what I want to suggest is that koinonia is not a transaction for convenience. It's a shared life. You catching me? So I would explain it this way. I, I'm a part of a variety of, I have a variety of memberships, and so do you. You can have a membership to a fitness club. You can have a membership to Sam's Club or a Jelly of the Month Club, for that matter. You can have a membership for whatever you want. However, if you're like me, you're going to start to weigh it. A membership to that particular online service. If the cost becomes too great and the value becomes too low, I'll go somewhere else and I'll find a better deal. That credit union is not helping me? We'll come over here. We'll find one that will. Because there's a transactional understanding with so many of our memberships today. But here's what's amazing about koinonia. It's a shared life. It's not about convenience and not necessarily even about you. How's that for an opener? It's not about you. But Romans 12 has this incredible, incredible concept here. Romans 12 verses 4 and 5 says this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. That much you've heard many times, I'm sure. Here's the catch. The last part of this verse says, not only are we one body in Christ, but we're individually members of one another. One another. Some of you I've never met yet. I will. I look forward to it. But... By God's design, we're already members of one another. And I can't wait to talk with you in your highest of highs. And I can't wait to help bear burdens when you're at your lows. And I can't wait for you to do the same thing for me. It's not about convenience. I can't just cut that string and walk away if it's now a burden because we're members of one another. And that's something. A communal yes is a big deal. It's a real big deal. 
About seven years ago, I was at a gas station pumping gas, and I locked eyes with a, a much older gentleman. He was probably 80 at that time, and he recognized me before I recognized him. I'm in Tennessee, and I'm hundreds of miles from any church I'd ever pastored at, but this guy's staring me down. And I finally walked over toward him, and I got closer, and he goes, Jim? I said, Cal, Cal Carroll, how are you? I haven't seen you in eight years, seven years. After some quick niceties, he said this to me, and it blew me away. He said, I've been praying for you every day. I hadn't seen him in seven or eight years. He's been praying for me every day? Man, that's the body at work. That's a communal yes that challenged me and inspired me. I know people do the same today. I hope to be that for others. How do we do with that, church? I want to ask you a couple questions, and we're going to give it about a minute just to reflect on these things. And so these questions might help us to slow down and process the, the fire hose of verses and thoughts that just came your way. First question, have you settled for something less than biblical community? Second question, what does a communal yes look like for you and your household? Let's think about those things together, and now would be a good time to grab your communion supplies if you've got them at home or be prepared for that here in the room. We'll take it together in just a minute, but let's reflect on those things first. Communion's messy, and we're in this together. Aren't you glad? As we've reflected on these things, can you just be in amazement with me that our Father has chosen to bring some dirty, messy kids that don't always get along into the same room, and he's invited us to sit around the table that he built, the meal that he paid for with his life, and he's saying, I'd like you to remember me. I'd like you to gather often for this incredible thing called koinonia, a shared life, an intimacy, a commitment, a participation. Would you join me? It's really an incredible invitation. We do it so frequently that maybe sometimes we miss that. But today I want to read one more passage before we take together. It's Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. It says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, get this, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. If we have any idea what an Old Testament sacrifice looked like, the Lamb of God is a messy thing. It's gross. It's R-rated. But he's done this to make peace. Those who were separated from him might be able to draw near to him. It's an absolutely incredible thing. And so church, whether you're at home or whether you're in the room, as one body, let's take this bread together, representing his body broken for us. And together as one body, let's take this cup of juice representing his blood shed for us. Let's take and drink. Would you pray with me? Father, we pause just to give you thanks. We give you thanks that you would see fit to call your kids around this table. And I thank you for the time to be with my brothers and sisters around this table. Would you allow us to radically, recklessly love you? May the same thing be said of us as was said of your early disciples, that the outsiders would look on and know that we've been with Jesus by the way that we love each other, by the boldness we have in your name. Thank you for your body broken that we might be whole. Thank you for your blood shed that we might be washed whiter than snow. We stand in amazement and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen, amen.